you shoot Greedo first, or did Greedo shoot you first? Um, I don't care. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Temple of Dune coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenet. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today that is Tommy completing the Kiki Kwan uh, filmography on the podcast here with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, I mean, before we started this podcast, I haven't seen any of Kiki uh, he Kwan's movies. Now we cover the big three. I mean, everything I ever wore all at once. Uh the Goonies, the Goonies, and now this. So, I mean, who would have thought when you're watching Indiana Jones that, like, if you told someone in the '80s, like, "Hey, first is going to win an Oscar from this movie is Kiki Kwan," you'd be like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, it's funny. You're like looking at the and like you have one of the most iconic uh, actors of all time uh, in Harrison this movie. Ford. Harrison yeah. Ford, and it's like guy hasn't sniffed an Oscar, and then <laughs> short round Academy Award winner. Uh, Harrison Ford was nominated, but it's not nowhere close. He uh, he's never going to get one at this point, unless uh, Dial Destiny gives like the most magnificent performance we've ever seen in our life. <laughs> um, I you know what we were actually discussing Dial of Destiny before. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it it got terrible reviews. They debuted it at cons, which was a terrible decision. <laughs> uh, I I don't think it's going to be very good. I'm going to go see it. Because I love myself an Indiana Jones movie. Now, Tommy, I think, I believe I was there with you because, like, Indiana Jones escaped your childhood completely. Like, I remember we watched it in in the in somebody's basement. We watched Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. We we tried no, we tried to watch uh, Last Crusade, and uh, you guys watched it. I passed out in ten minutes. Uh, no, 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 first... no, no. I was this was at this was at the Isles basement. Oh, in the in the movie theater. Yeah, no, 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 no. We we did watch that then. That was my second time watching the movie. The first time watching the movie was probably in like 2014. Oh, okay. Um first, first Indiana Jones movie, I'm probably gonna get shot for saying this was um Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I yeah. saw in theaters. <laughs> to, to be so, fair, that came out when you were in like middle school, high school. Like that came out. And that, like, that's when you go to see every movie back then. You it's like just what you do. And uh 15 years later, not much has changed in my life. So <laughs> yeah, no. just see whatever's playing in theaters. But uh Dow Destiny right now, I mean like it's I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes. It's a 56 percent, which is kind of rough. I mean, I don't know. I had some hopes for it because James Mangold's a good director. I mean, Logan was fucking amazing, and like you know, Ford v Ferrari. He's made good movies before, but it's just like you don't need to keep on bringing up these franchises, I guess. But well, that means, yeah. Well, we can. Well, we'll do, I think we'll do a end review. We'll do a bonus review of Dial of Destiny um, in July, uh, before probably before North by Northwest. We'll, we'll discuss that in further detail. Um, it's hard for me to say what it is. I, from what I can assume, I'm assuming that they're going to just not handle Indiana Jones gracefully and try to like... My biggest concern is they're going to be like, well, you shouldn't have done the things that you did, Indiana Jones. And it's like, I, I mean, the basis of the character is that he's a 
he's literally a cartoon character. Like that's the whole fun of the series. And mm-hmm. like, I feel like they're going to try to intertwine politics into it. And that's going to be annoying, but I have to hold all reservations and judgment until I actually see the movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, like, I don't know. I remember eighth grade me liked uh, King of the Crystal Skull. So <laughs> I haven't revisited since, but you know, I think at the very least this will be an entertaining movie. I mean, I'm not exactly, this is not a franchise has been born in my bones right now. Like, like we said, we're covering Temple of Doom for the first time, which was considered a black sheep of the original trilogy, but yet I still thought this was a great movie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, well, yeah, and we'll dive more into why it's considered the black sheep of the original trilogy, um, which I actually think is a testament. It's in retrospect, it's much more of a testament to the flexibility of that, of the character Indiana Jones, I think mm. that you could have just this movie proved that he you could have thrown him into any situation anywhere and it would have been fun like it yeah it didn't just have to be nazis yeah and as much as i love last crusade like i think that's a we're going to cover that eventually but because tommy has also not seen last crusade though i tried to watch that two or three times and fell asleep every time (laughs) But that, that's just what happens to you. You just try to watch a movie and you fall asleep. You try to start a movie after seven o'clock and it's like bed, bed, night, 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 night. Yeah, sl- slightly better. Like past the uh, like nine p.m. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So, uh, Timmy, have you watched anything good this past week? So-, <laughs> so, speaking of Indiana Jones, Fathom Events had a limited release of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark in theaters, and I went and I saw it, and it was amazing. Um, one of those because it's it's one of those movies I've seen a dozen times, and I had never seen it in theaters before. Yeah, and just getting to that like theatrical experience of it, it it's just magical. It's just such a magical movie, and I'll talk more about it because I do have a thing I want to say about Raiders in terms of me and learning how to watch and appreciate film. I think there's we'll we'll, we'll talk about that further, but. Quickly, yes, that that is that's what I saw this week. I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, and now I went back right back into Temple of Doom, baby. So, so are you going uh, straight into the Last Crusade now? After this, are you can watch them all before. Are you, are you maybe I would kid? try. I would try Crystal Kingdom again. I haven't seen that in God since it came out. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of those movies that like the internet kind of overhated, and it's like, eh, whatever. Well, um, it, it definitely had that prequel syndrome, like Star Wars prequel syndrome of just being like it wasn't the movie from the eighties, yeah, anymore. Um, I since Spielberg directed this, I'm assuming it's significantly better than the Star Wars prequels. Mm. Yeah, Again, <laughs> low, low bar, low bar, but a uh, sandwich. But yeah, uh, I, yeah, maybe I'll dive through the rest of them. We'll, we'll we'll touch in, do do a little ratings on them. But uh, Tommy, what about you? Did you go and see anything uh, fun? Uh, I haven't had much uh, movie experiences in the past week since we talked. But um, when I was at a wedding over the weekend, I was in the wedding party, and uh, the way we decided to get ready for the wedding party was Bad Boys Two was on television and on USA, and we started it just we came in just as it started, and first time seeing Bad Boys Two in a while. And it felt like the perfect movie to get ready to for a oh. bunch, of, bunch of dudes just drinking, like having a couple of drinks and stuff like that, game way for a wedding, dressing up and stuff like that, just watching Bad Boys 2. Like, oh, they're in Cuba right now, attacking shit, attacking shit. Fuck yeah, let's go right here. Just over and over and over again. It's the, the, the testosterone type movie you need right before you go go uh, get your friend married. 
<laughs> I also love that it was Bad Boy Two on Bad Boys Two on cable too. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like it's even better. It's even better because it's just like we're at this venue. Like we don't have the street. Like we can't go and spend an hour picking whatever we want to put on. It's just like they Bad Boys Two. Oh, all right. Well, is, yeah. is it a random hotel room? Because we're getting rid of a random hotel room, and I'm pretty sure um, the photographer took pictures of Bad Boys Two on the TV screen. Hell yeah! No, that's that, that, that's that is the perfect like, like if you like in college you're getting ready to go out to a party or bar or yeah. whatever, and you just need something mindless and just like hype up like for the boys. Like yeah, yeah. you're gonna throw you're gonna throw bad boys too. It's a it's a great pregame movie, so I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna go from bad boys two into the bad boy of India. This is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. In the name of science. You know how to fly, don't you? You'll go anywhere. No, do you? In the name of excitement, you'll try anything. Step on it! Because if adventure has a name, it must be Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. In the West End and all over London now. I only found a UK trailer for it on YouTube. So uh, we... I, I, I guess it's in the spirit of Indiana Jones when it's based off of, but I literally felt like a trailer uh, from like the 1930s, which I guess was what they're going for right there. Well, it was a UK trailer. It wasn't a US trailer. I imagine the yeah. US trailer felt very 1980s US trailer uh, at the mm. time. But yeah, so Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. This is often considered the black sheep of the Indiana Jones franchise, and we were t- hinting on that before. Yeah, so, at least of the original trilogy. Yeah, of the original trilogy. Yeah. Now I, I think uh, there's going to be a new black sheep in a couple of weeks. Just personal prediction, uh, based on the only five minute applause at cons, which is like the standard. Which is just like the you failed. Oh my god, I have to stand here. <laughs> you made a movie. Congrats. Can can, can I talk about a, a tradition that needs to die? What clapping? The the applause at cons needs to die. It needs to go away. Like is it is it cons or cans? It's cons. It's that's cans. Cons. Yeah, of course you did. And they, <laughs> you like, I can't think of a more out of touch thing to do than be like, I love this movie. So I'm going to applaud it for 14 minutes. And this is the barometer for how good what? the movie is, is how long I applaud it. I can't think of anything more dated. I can't think of anything that needs well, to die more. I think it's a little bit different in for specifically for, uh, Fuck cons. Now, now you got me uh, tripped up right there. But uh, cons, like, I mean, it's different because, like, the filmmakers are actually there compared to, like, you know, oh, when you go see the Avengers movie on a Friday night and then some, like, dude just break out into applause because Iron Man's on screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, I, that I don't get. No, I was talking about, like, they need to, like, I feel <laughs> like. a better rating system. <laughs> well, I feel like Hollywood, the past, like, people in Hollywood the last 15 years have just become, like, absurdly out of touch. And the fact that, like, the way the internet connects us to them. It's just highlighted that more and it's like i don't know like a sick like like okay you did not like indiana jones and the dial of destiny like the reviews were scathing out of cons like it it, it was it, it was bad but we still had to give it a five minute ap- applause because the people were like just get rid of the applause system it, it's it's time for it to go just, just my two just, cents. Just, just do nothing instead. Just <laughs> listen, Tommy. I had this thought like literally as I was starting my sentence. So just let me have it, okay? 
<laughs> All right, I'm not, I'm not gonna uh, you know, follow up on this. Right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this is you. You know, I have some very um, strong opinions. This is not one of them. This is just more of a like. I think it's time for it to die. You know, it's it's like yeah. the last Jedi. It's time for the Jedi to die. It's time for the Applause yeah. Con to die. Um, <laughs> so that's what we need to get rid of next so uh bring back to temple of doom i mean like first of all my first question i knew this going in but there felt like there was no need to make this a prequel whatsoever um apparently like the reason that uh, george lucas wanted to make it a prequel was so the nazis weren't a villain again but it's just like you could have it to be the same movie just had to take place during world war ii and he's not somewhere in Europe or Germany or whatever, and it could be the same exact thing. He's just like in India, and this is what happens. There's no reason for us to make it a prequel. And it's one of those weird things where, even though this is a prequel, it's not like your typical prequel where it just like shows you the nods of like how he got the hat or some bullshit or anything like that. Oh, we'll it just feels just that. like another oh, adventure. We'll, oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. Which is one of Steven Spielberg's greatest tra- transitions of all time. But um, that, no. So, well, part of it is because these are based off 1930s. Like the whole Indiana Jones series is based off of the adventure serials that Steven Spielberg and George Lucas grew up on, where they could just take place at any time, any point. Like, like they were because, like, when people in the 1930s and 40s were writing this stuff, like they didn't care about order. It was just like I have a project I have to make, and we have to get this done in X amount of time. So mm-hmm. it'll just go from Berlin, 1937, to Shanghai, 1935. So that was, I think, the spirit of it. And mm-hmm. um, I think the the greatest strength of this movie is does it does show the flexibility of Indiana Jones as a character in terms of, like, they could have made, like, eight of these in the eighties. Like they could have made, they could have made these throughout the eighties. Like just, just popped them out like a factory I'm, and they would have been fun. I mean, in many ways, in many ways, he's kind of like the American James Bond where this sets up a formula right here. Like, you know, the, uh, they wanted him, they were thinking of having Karen Allen return from the first movie, but they're like, yeah, why don't we just make it a new girl? Just make it kind of like bond. Like there's a new girl in every movie, you know, very similar uh, capabilities where you can just have him be all over the place. It's shocking. There's only been like, we're only coming up in the fifth movie in this franchise. Well, I think part of it is that when I think of James Bond, and obviously it's different, 1960, like French, like Bond is like the first like modern franchise. Like there are franchise, like Spencer Tracy had franchises, but they were like horny comedies and like, mm. you know, just pop them out a dime a dozen. Bond is the first like true modern franchise that's still like running today. Um, mm. This is different than than Bond. I, I, I think Indiana Jones has a lot. Indiana Jones isn't the greatest character in the world, right? Like he's just he is the amalgamation of what every every male wants to be. I said the greatest strength of Indiana Jones as a character is that every man wants to be Indiana Jones. It, it's it's an undisputed fact of life that if you are a man, you want to be Indiana Jones. Like. 99% of us would die trying. Yeah. But we all you, want to be we, Indiana Jones. Like that was we, the, we all we all had our cringy fedora phase. <laughs> uh you can speak for yourself on the fedora phase. Um I just Well you bought you bought me a fedora and you try to make me wear it. You try to make it force that. Oh, that's right. We did try to make you a fedora guy. Yeah. You you rocked I wore like I wore I wore it like for like a week just to humor you guys and be like, ah, be fair, I got the fedora. <laughs> to be fair, that was more of a Brian Connors move than me, but <laughs> 
I yep. was all for it. Maybe should we? Okay, we're gonna put a Twitter poll out. Does Tommy bring back the fedora? <laughs> I don't even know where it is. I don't even think I have. Well, it. I Tommy, we would buy you just a new fedora. I would assume you don't have the fedora from. 13 years ago just like sitting handy in your apartment actually in my closet just cat that's gonna be the shot and then dial a destiny it's like well indiana jones we need you back for this adventure and then it's just like it's just like the camera he's like sitting in his bedroom or whatever and it pans the camera pans over and you're just gonna see like like the hat just sitting there like collecting dust and then just like the hand and the puts the hat down and then he picks his head up and he's going to be in some adventure, right? Like that's a tra- that's a Spielberg transition shot. Does, and then does, for you- does the hat, I'm just imagining like the hat starts talking to him like, oh, we're going on one more adventure, Indy. Is this it? Just like, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Stop talking. And then, and then for, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then for you, it's just like, it's just sitting there collecting dust and then it just picks up like your head down and then you just pick up and you have a neck beard and you're sitting at a movie theater and then somebody you're watching a Marvel movie and somebody gets up before the post credit scene and you're like, sit back down, son. And then that's that's the and I, and I angrily read on Twitter about it. Yeah, you angrily write on Twitter about it. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. <laughs> we got it right there. <laughs> so yeah. Um, this is the black sheep because it he didn't fight Nazis in this one, essentially. Um uh, I we that was where my sentence started. You know that Michael Scott quote where it's like, sometimes I start a sentence and <laughs> don't even I, know where it goes. I don't even know where it goes. That was the last welcome, seven minutes of this of this episode of the podcast. Welcome, welcome to podcasting one hundred and one right here. Uh, we, we just go for the ride right here. Improv one hundred and one. Should um, we talk about the movie now? We probably should. Um, well, we, we we touched upon it. I mean, like you know, overall, I mean, I, I did think this was really fun. I mean, I've only seen three movies on this franchise. Uh, the only one I haven't seen is Last Crusade at this point. Um, but Temple of Doom just really I enjoyed the callbacks they had to Raiders. It didn't feel like too egregious or like you know too handholding or something like that. You know, in the scene where like on the bridge where he's about to face the two guys with the swords and he looks for his gun like in the first movie and he realizes yeah. like oh shit. That you was know? a cute. That was a cute wink, wink, nod, nod to the audience of like remember that awesome moment. Yeah, you can't do it this time. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, Spielberg himself said like you know in terms of like building a sequel that like you know there's so much danger in sequels. He said. Uh, the danger of making a sequel is they can never satisfy everyone. You give uh, people the same movie with different scenes. They say, why aren't you more original? But if you give them the same character in another fantastic adventure but with a different tone, you risk disappointing the other half of the audience who just want a carbon copy of the first film with a different girl and different bad guys. So you win and lose in both ways, which really just calculates this movie. This movie is a darker tone in general than um, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's not as a fun swashbuckling in an adventure. This has like, you know, Tons of gore, tons of like horror scenes. You know, our friend Dallin, when we were talking about it, we we're covering this movie, he was like, Yeah, this movie scared the fuck out of me when I was a little kid. Like, I couldn't watch it for a while. You know, he probably didn't have the same sentiment about uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark right there because, you know, this is more of a fun serial adventure movie. Well, this has elements of that. It's overall, you know, imagine you're eight years old. You just saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's one of your favorite movies of all time. You go to see um, Temple of Doom and you watch a guy's heart get ripped out. It probably traumatized you. <laughs> Yeah, I so I look at the so I look at temp so it's very interesting that you mentioned tone because mm. if I had to point out this movie's weakness, I would say it was tonal imbalance, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning, like the the opening, the Shanghai scene, like compared comparatively to Raiders. Raiders is a perfect opening 
where you and granted different situation like you're being introduced to indiana jones you need to understand his essence like that mm. so you kind of start off with this goofy like scene where he gets poisoned and he's chasing the antidote over the floor like it is over the top like camp pure camp and then you have, then you're introduced to short round who's pushing the car with the bricks on the floor which is great it's funny um mm. you have willie who mm, talk about a weak point in the movie but uh yeah. she's there and then they have the 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 most unrealistic thing of them escaping the plane and and then they wait then they go to this the indian village and the tone just shifts like that and then they're going towards the palace and then the the elephant's throwing Willie off the thing. And I was like, this is like, I felt like the first 20 minutes of this movie, like it felt like they filmed a lot of stuff to make this a more of a family movie for the box office draw and like having like short round in this, who I like short round a lot. It's not a criticism of short round. This is a, it felt like they were trying to incorporate elements of like a family wholesome adventure into like a really dark story. Yeah, I I, I definitely felt like it was just like they didn't want to fully commit to a dark story right here at all. Um, apparently, this movie George Lucas and Steven Spielberg they wanted us to make a darker movie, like how Empire Strikes Back was a darker Star Wars movie, but ended up being a lot darker than both of them either attended because uh, at the time both of them were going through uh, like breakups and just like this is their breakup movie essentially. Spielberg and Lucas and you know Spielberg agreed with like the darker side of things and stuff like that but he felt uncomfortable with how certain scenes played out so like while filming them he tried to inject like humorous moments that's why in a fight scene you see like a guy throw up a hammer and then the hammer like hits the guy Looney Tune style in the head mm-hmm. some other dude like very slapsticky which just is a tonal whiplash right there it's just like all right are you trying to be a humorous movie or you're trying to be a dark movie like which one come on yeah that, that and it, it, it like bleeds throughout them i felt like it was more prevalent in the beginning but during like the action and stuff it just felt more yeah more slapstickish especially comparative to raiders and last crusade um so it's it's this weird tonal whiplash and it, it spielberg is such a good director that it that he makes it work like if this was in a lesser mm. director's hands it doesn't this movie would have fallen apart completely because it doesn't dwell on like the tonal shifts it just like does it like you can you just feel when you go like okay like we're in a serious scene now oh we're in a lighter moment now but it just it's still tonal whiplash but when i think uh, and i think why this is another reason why this is considered the black sheep compared to to raiders and to um last crusade is that that tonal tonal whiplash i i I think that's part of it i don't think people will articulate that as well but i yeah i do think that's part of it yeah i think that raiders especially i mean um you know there's some scenes obviously there's violent scenes in that but not to the extent of this and it doesn't feel dark it just feels like a fun zippy zany adventure right there and spielberg himself said that he like wasn't happy with temple doom and all because it gets too dark uh and too horrific. He thought that he like out poltergeist, uh, poltergeist, and just like how scary it was, and just like ah, way too much. <laughs> well, so and then there there was a big controversy with the with the cuisine scene. Um, yeah, with it the, doesn't age the best sometimes because I think originally it was supposed to be like oh these Indian people are showing how stupid this white woman is, but then it's just more so just like oh look at how terrible our culture is. So, so I'm looking so right here. So it actually it didn't. This film did not get a theatrical release in India. Uh, mm-hmm. India censors caught it and said absolutely not. This is a 
very negative de depiction of it, uh, not a valid portrayal of India, um, where it's just like, oh, they eat monkey brains. And that is that is fair, um, but the actor who played Chatterlal mentioned that the banquet scene was a joke that went wrong, saying mm. Stephen intended it as a joke, the joke being the Indians were so smart that they knew all Westerners would think that Indians eat cockroaches, so they served them what they expected. The joke was too subtle for that film, which I just based off of Spielberg's like filmography and like for a guy that was, you know, coming up in the seventies when there, there are uh, films that don't age the best in terms of cultural sensitivities. I, I, it's never felt like Spielberg's movies have really felt like that. Um, yeah. And I, I could imagine that was just like, Oh, that'd be fun. That'll be funny. And then you film it and you're like, Oh, that was great. Yeah. We, and then you put it into the movie and you're like, Oh, this doesn't come. It, it, Cause it just didn't have enough of a comedic tone. Yeah. Like it just felt a little tone whiplash. And like the whole entire character of like, uh, that keep capture plays is just Willie. It's just awful. Uh, I mean, I mean like, you know, we're talking about tone whiplash where like, you know, there's all these scary scenes and stuff like that. And then there's her character, just like essentially like horrifically screaming and stuff like that. Kate Capshaw hated her character and I can't blame her because like she said that like her own character, Willie was nothing more than like a dumb screaming blonde, which she's not wrong. I mean, like that's really all, all our characters are for to interject some humor in ways that just, it feels like very forced and unnatural. I mean, you take her character out of this movie. I feel like it'd be better. I mean, short round is also a comedic character, but that works a lot more in the flow of the story and the flow of the movie. I feel like. Kihi Kwan as a, child like great child performance in this movie mm. um like he you know it felt like and i think spielberg and you know going back to like et and stuff like that when he has kids in his movies he's always very good with them like he always gets very good performances out of them so it's not surprising to see but mm. it, it was i think the the chemistry of harrison ford and kihi kwan where it was like oh it felt like they were actually friends where harrison ford doesn't exactly have the best reputation of easiest guy in the world to work with yeah <laughs> he's usually a grump from what it seems like but i mean like i mean that being said there were some scenes i did like the little scene of kate capshaw and harrison ford where like they're like saying like five minutes from now that's what we're gonna do i thought it was a really good with a bit of romantic tension, but that was the only time I really liked her throughout that movie. Oh, really? Rest... That was my like least favorite scene of them in the movie. That that was when I, that was like they handed George Lucas the script and said, "You got to write the romance scene, George." And that was what. Oh, I don't know. It. I th I thought it was cute, cute right there, but um, because <laughs> it just felt like a very and, playful way. And 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 I I think we're just talking about it because the tonal whiplash, and I don't mean this as a negative because ultimately. This movie is so much fun. Yeah. Like like the last hour and a half of this movie is so much fun to watch. I mean, but, that's the thing about it. Like despite like uh you know our criticism, Spielberg still makes this an engaging movie to the point that like, you know, these are like criticisms and like nitpicks and stuff like that, but it doesn't Well, really I don't drag think the, the movie whiplash is is a, a nitpick. I would say it's a very valid criticism of the movie yeah. per, per, personally. Well, I said criticisms um, and nitpicks. <laughs> yeah. Um no, see, I see. My definition of a nitpick is like, well, in in scene, you know, three forty three, the the arm was up here, and then the cut came over, and it was like this, and 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 you have somebody breathing heavily into a microphone, and you're just like, please stop, please for the love yeah, of God, stop, please stop. stop. Um, that, that that's a nitpick in my in my definition of it. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. More so just breaking down just like pedantic shit where it's like, whatever. Um, you know, so it's funny though, with, uh, Kate Capshaw, she appeared on the tonight show of Johnny Carson to go promote this movie in 84. And, um, you know, right after her interview, uh, Siskel and Ebert were on the show and they're talking about like, you know, the recent films that are playing and they're talking about Temple of Doom and they were exclaiming her performance being like, Oh, it's wimpy and whiny. She's terrible in this movie. She's awful. And Capshaw's like right there on the couch right next to him being like, Hey guys, please don't talk about me. Like I'm not here. I, I am here. <laughs> like just, just say no. guys. <laughs> I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to her. I think she does the best she can with what she's given. Um, yeah. I, I think it was just like, because, like, even from the inception of the character, she likes diamonds, and then she picks up Indiana Jones's antidote because he was holding her by fork, um, and and then he basically kidnaps her and takes her on this whole adventure, like, which is 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 very baffling, like introduction of these characters, like spending a whole movie together, mm. like compared yeah. to like Marion Ravenwood, where it was like. They had a romantic backstory. They, there was a built-in backstory of like romantic tension in the past. Yeah, <laughs> this is very and thrown the, together. And then the bar scene happens, and it's like, guess what? I'm your damn partner now. And then that's that's how it all kind of comes together. Where this just felt like, how do we get the three of these characters in a random desert in India? Like that. Like the the beginning is goofy, and Dan Aykroyd makes a nice little cameo there. Yeah. It's, it's cool seeing him pop up right there. Um, you know, I thought the Kihi Kwan that um his character short round uh was the father of the guy who died in the beginning of the movie, and that's how they're gonna set him up or something like that, being like, Oh, your dad died, but now you need to help me. But then Kihi Kwan was just in the car the whole time. The movie did not feel the need to explain why he has a child sucker, and neither did did they. It was just like okay, yes, they, yes they did. He was a he was his, he tried to pock pick at Indiana Jones. Now he I guess now he now he raises him and then he's gone. By his next adventure, but <laughs> yeah, and a year later. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, this is like he, how quickly just abandoned short runs. Like, oh fuck you. Like, oh, I love you, Indy. Like, ah, oh, kid. Like, you're you're just fucking annoying. Just get get out of here. <laughs> no, I I think it's it, I think in a it, it, the problem with Indiana Jones is that it's like this iconic movie franchise, and it's based off a Saturday morning cartoon, where like beginning middle end happens and we move on to the next story don't it's, this isn't coming back don't worry about it and mm-hmm. i think that's like part of the thing from a contemporary lens to consider even in that time period right like where yeah. franchises are starting to become more and more prevalent continuing storylines like that's not what this that's not what indiana jones was about it was just like this is a movie version of a saturday morning cartoon and it's going to be done to the 10th degree it's going to have George Lucas weirdness and one of the greatest directors of all time directing it and one of the greatest leading men in Hollywood starring in it. And John Williams just knocking it out of the park all all the way. Um, hey, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, though, as like a sequel. I mean, like, obviously, Indiana Jones is the character you remember from Raiders, but it's just interesting that there's not one returning character other than him. Um, yeah, granted, this is like a year before prequel, prequel in like quotation marks, because it barely is. Um, I wouldn't call but, it a prequel. I would just call it it's a serialized movie series is what they were attempting to do. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I mean, like, you know, the only other returning actor was like Pat Roach, who um, like appears like a guy who attacked it, uh, as a different character in, uh, in Raiders. So, you know, you figure like, you know, there'd be like one guy, like I'm trying to remember like Raiders, like Mar- Marvin, Marvin, who come, you'll, you'll, you'll see Tommy, 
you're here you're saying a lot of criticisms right now that make that that they I'm not make saying sure, criticisms. No, I'm not no, I'm not saying they're criticisms. I'm saying these were the critic critic these were the criticisms of the movie at the time that they make sure to rectify in Raiders of the Lost Ark. You mean there's, in uh, Last Crusade? No, Last Crusade. There's a lot of returning characters in Last Crusade. Don't you worry. Yeah, we'll get our um, friend, we'll get all our good friends back together. Yeah. Um. What, what I do like though is apparently George Lucas. How much of a bullshitter he was. He told uh, Spielberg at the time. He also has a Kermit the Frog, doesn't he? Um. George Lucas. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh well, oh Spielberg. If I, I'm trying to do Kermit the Frog, Heidi, Heidi Ho. <laughs> Oh, George, if you if you direct uh ah, fuck it, I'm not I'm gonna drop it. I'm gonna drop it. Abandon the bit. But he said he told Spielberg if he directed uh the first one, he had uh to direct a trilogy because uh George Lucas, I have three stories in mind for this uh Steven Spielberg. And Spielberg was like, Yeah, it turned out that he was lying, he didn't have three stories in mind, so he had to make up some fucking subsequent stories. He just bullshit completely. <laughs> uh yeah. And people believe that he like had this the because now in retrospect, when he talks about Star Wars, he's like I had this big idea for everything with in regards to Star Wars from from the episode one to episode six. I had it all written out. And it's like, no, you did not. You didn't even have the second one written out. The best yeah. movie in the Star Wars franchise, you had the least amount of involvement in. There's a there's a correlation there, George. Uh, but like people like I we're not going down this road. I for <laughs> 10 hours yeah yeah we, I, feel, I feel like every episode we somehow get you on a star wars tangent <laughs> that's what i mean great great so this episode's defensible because we're talking about george lucas right <laughs> we are talking about george lucas but uh you know i i think but it's just like the ideas he threw around for this movie were apparently garbage like he had uh his first idea for indiana psychic was uh some virginal young princess but spielberg and the other writers were just like no like get the fuck out of here about idea lucas like no, are you kidding me <laughs> Um, he apparently had an idea that was like, um, oh, this is gonna take place in some haunted Scottish uh, castle. And Spielberg's like, oh, that's too close to poultry guys. So get out of here, Lucas. We're not using that idea. So I feel like I, he's just like, yeah. I like. I, I'll say I feel like Lucas. He should just on any adventure movie, he should be in the writers' room, and they should just let, give him like an hour a day in the writers' room to just throw out the weirdest stuff that comes out of that guy's brain. And then just take like like if you do that for two weeks, you take like the thirty minutes of good that you would get from that. It's probably like, like a ball string of just like every weird idea he has. Yeah, <laughs> but like, like but you take his weird idea and you go, that's terrible, and then you build off of it because like he can't build off of the bad weird ideas, but like they they are weird and unique stories, and that does have a value. And you just need somebody to actually like refine them, like you know. The original Star Wars trilogy, but um, that like that's George Lucas's creative strength. There, um, one thing I do want to mention, I had mentioned at the top. So Steven Soderbergh, the director of the Ocean's franchise, Magic Mike, he released in the 2010s online a cut of Raiders of the Lost Ark, that is in black and white, and there's no audio, and the whole purpose of the exercise of that is to watch it and say, what is the film actually telling you when you're watching it? And that was one of the first times that I watched a movie like that. And it helped me in terms of my film criticism and just understanding the language of film. I just wanted to shout that out. 
That's how I started your journey to start a podcast. That's how <laughs> that's how I ended up here. That's the first a, domino that fell. <laughs> what a mistake. I'm like, it's like that meme of the, like a little domino, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Watches Raiders of the Lost Ark with no sound, has a, has a starts, middling podcast. On, start, on starts, starts talking about politics in the Indiana Jones movies. Yes. I didn't talk about politics in Indiana Jones movies. They, they're throwing them in. But I digress. I digress. <laughs> I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Tommy, I have a very serious question for you. Hmm. Could you even come up with a conceivable argument for anybody else to be the star of this movie than Harrison Ford? I mean, the only other one would be Short Round right here. I mean, because he makes a very engaging sidekick right there. And I think that... um, he does bring a, a little lightness to the movie, but in a way that's not egregious. Um, like the, what is it? Willie? Winnie? Willie. Willie. Uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, future wife. Uh, still married to this day. Um, but anyways, uh, short round, I think like, you know, uh, Key Kwan just gave like a really like good heartwarming performance and like it made it like the kid's sidekick in a movie like this could easily be the worst part of this. In a lesser director's hands, this movie is a train wreck. Yeah, exactly. Just you, you can just imagine it right now. Just like being this annoying, whiny little uh, little kid. But he's like, not uh, whiny. He's like he's kind of kick ass. And like there's very cute moments uh, I noticed where he was like, you know, Indiana Jones is fighting, and then he's like watching and like imitating it. And then mm-hmm. right before the mine mine cart chase, like um, Indiana Jones is fighting the guy in the rafter, and then he's fighting the kids, and they do the nice, they do the Spielberg does this great overhead shot of Indiana Jones in the foreground and, and short round in the background, and they're they're like fighting together from like Willie's perspective. I'm like, yeah, that's a great shot. Like, like we had been seeing that built out throughout the movie of like of of Kihi Kwan like watching Indiana Jones throw his fists around and wanted to do it, and then you get to see them both in parallel, and it's not shoved in your face at all, and it's just there, and it's like one of those like magical magical little sequences that it has absolutely it does adds nothing to the movie but it's just like oh my god actually that's uh, yeah yeah no yeah, i mean like uh, i think that was just like a great part of just like how like in the thuggy chief scene where i think is what you're talking about like where he's uh, fighting him on like the conveyor belt yeah how all three of them um winnie to a lesser extent or willie to a lesser extent and short round um are involved in the fight and they're still uh, captivating right here it's not just indiana jones doing this on his own he probably wouldn't have made it out without short round for all we know um, he would have so, been possessed by the devil's blood. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but that all being said, yeah, Harrison Ford's the star of this movie, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's Harrison Ford. I mean, it's like that hat fits him like a glove. Um, I, I, I truly believe that he would not have done Dial of Destiny if he did not actually love the character of Indian Jones. Like, I don't think he likes Han Solo as evidenced by our introduction uh to this but i do think he loves indiana jones i think if he's like if there's one thing i want to be remembered for it's going to be that character yeah yeah Ah, are you ready comedy partner waka waka tommy would indiana jones in the temple of doom work as a muppet adaptation um, I think that there could be a case for it. I mean, like uh, you know, the Cali Moss scene ripping out the heart and just fucking just it would be fell. so fun. It would be so <laughs> it'd be, fun. It'd, it'd be, be so fun everywhere. 
I'm really I like googled right now uh Muppet Indiana Jones and it was a thing I remember this those are the Muppet babies where like uh Kermit would like be uh have fantasies where he's dressed up as like uh Indiana Jones like the whole get up and the whole fedora and like uh vest and everything like that and the lasso and like he'd be like and there's literally images you can search on Google right now Kermit as a uh, Muppet uh Indiana Jones and they did that for a little bit <laughs> but to go oh full tilt in it would be great <laughs> yeah if- a full one would be, it'd probably be better than Dial of Destiny, but we haven't seen it yet. So we don't know for sure. But uh, I think it would be fun. Like, I think it would kind of work. Like, I, I don't know, because it's like Indiana Jones is just at its core does have this fantastical feeling to it that just like, you know, this is all kind of unrealistic nonsense, but it's so much fun and it's somehow grounded realistically somewhat. Um even though you know you're just watching a fantasy story. So, like, I why not? I mean, in, in terms of movies that we've covered where we go, would would Disney actually ever touch it? They probably would touch Indiana Jones Muppets. Like, they probably would do that. Yeah, I mean, we already have the case basis. Or I'm really looking at a picture right now of Kermit dressed as uh, fucking Indiana Jones. It would be great, and we could get use more of that. That's all you did, Kermit's uh, Indiana Jones. Obviously, if you're in this Temple of Doom, then uh, Piggy is great for fucking Willie because she's just as annoying. And then Kihi Kwan is probably human. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. All right, Tommy, review time. Give me your score out of five. Um, so out of five. So, you know, this is my third Indiana Jones movie, but I did really like this. Um, you know, I thought those, uh, despite all the things we talked about, the tonal whiplashes and stuff like that. Um, it's still overall really worked and just a great ball of fun. I mean, great performances by Harrison Ford. Uh, Willie, I could do without, but whatever. Short round was fun. And uh, this movie I could definitely see rewatching. I like the darker tone overall. Uh, I'm going to give this four out of five. I'm also going to give this four out of five. Wow, we're just really in sync today, Tommy. Um, okay. Yeah, we discussed enough about like the tonal whiplash of this movie. Um, I think it takes away from that, that beginning, which is so crucial, like suck you in where you're kind of like, Ah, like the first 20 minutes you're like oh, what am I watching here and then from there um, like w- one after the dinner scene th- this movie just goes on uh, goes perfectly um, it's just it's so much fun it just and you're all in one pal you're in one location and you just see so many different levels of it and it ends with a minecart chase and then Indiana Jones fighting a guy on a bridge that's dangling off the side of a cliff like perfect, perfect action movie in that sense. But the tonal whiplash definitely brings us down a little bit in my book. But four to five, highly recommend it. And um, if you haven't seen Temple of Doom, you should you should see it. If you're like, ah, it's not the one for me, watch it. It's it's fun. Yeah. So Tommy, any final thoughts? Uh, so I want to touch briefly upon the critical reception of this movie at the time, which was very mixed. Roger Ebert gave it four stars. And then we had this uh, review from People Magazine, which is so just you sounds... know, alarmist. Uh, yeah, so it was Ralph Novak of People who complained that the ad said this film might be too intense for younger children or fraudulent. No parent should allow a young child to see this traumatizing movie. It'd be a cinematic form of child abuse. Even Harrison Ford is required to slap Quan and abuse Capshaw. There are no heroes connected with the film, only two villains. Their names are Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. That's a <laughs> sick review. That's a <laughs> sick review. <laughs> yeah, what a fucking burn right there. Like, oh, these are the villains right here. Fuck these guys. Like, All right, Jesus. But anyways, um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you can follow us on social media at 
Pod. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And leave us a five-star review. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast really helps us out. And uh, we're gearing up. Uh, we're having Upstairs Steve come back on the podcast next week. Um, and we're going to be covering Goodwill Hunting. So I've never seen it. First time. It's I don't not know. my fault. I feel, like I, fault? I, I, I feel like I asked you this when we started the podcast in terms of like, what are big movies you haven't seen, Tommy? <laughs> and I feel like you told me you saw this because I would have covered this earlier, to be completely honest with you. I love it's Goodwill not, Hunting. It's not your fault. No, but it is yours. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is some uh, preview of the episode next week. So get ready. <laughs> it's literally just going to be me and Tommy just being like, it's not my fault. Like, that's going to be the only joke he makes. And then Steve and I just roasting him for an hour. So tune in for that. That'll be fun. Um, thank you guys all so much for listening this week. We'll see you next week.